Welcome to this Power Hour with me, Coach Colin. So you have all your PowerPoints, you know about the topic, you've collected all the information, you're passionate about your audience, you're passionate about the subject you're going to talk about, but how do you really structure then the PowerPoints so that you capture the interest of your audience? You see, many times when you look at presentations, you feel that the people who are presenting a topic, they are engaged with the topic, they love the topic, they're passionate about it, they know all the details, but they're not talking to you as an audience. They're sort of talking over your head and they're not addressing what you need to hear. And after a couple of minutes listening to them, you might be thinking, do they really care about me sitting there? They would be quite happy talking about their subject in an empty room with nobody there. Now, if you want to create this amazing webinar where people pay attention even while they are online and even have these skills available when you do a live presentation, then this is the webinar for you. Because in this webinar, I'm going to share with you the principal seven slides that you need to have in your PowerPoint deck to make your next presentation really captive for your audience, that they listen to you and they are enthusiastic about what you have to have to share with them. So let's get started. Let's do a quick recap before we get started. The recap is about, well, of course, we have been stepping through um, the series. I was talking about the five steps of how you can do a, a professional webinar. Step one was about prepare. We talked, spoke about how you can clear your mind by being in control of all the technical issues. Very important. Um, yesterday, in the last session, we talked about how you can switch from sharing information and getting into the format of educate. And today, it's about how you can show that you care about your audience. This is strongly connected to what we were also discussing in the previous se session where we said, okay, the biggest risk that we have is that we are literally dumping information on our audience. And when we dump information, it feels like they're drowning in information. It feels like we're sharing things that are totally unbelievable. It, um, it might be that they have a memory that doesn't fit our expectations and they get stuck in their own memory. And, um, we're challenging their paradigm. And these four things are actually the four reasons why people have objections for education. Because they've had experience that things can get very confusing. It creates disbelief that it is too good to be true. They feel uncertain whether they can be successful in what we are suggesting here. And they have fear of the unknown, stepping around, stepping out of the area where they normally work and doing something differently. So our education and the education that you're preparing has to overcome these four reasons why people object against education. Now, yesterday I was introducing you the educate process, the seven steps, how you can create a presentation training to educate. Let's run through those 
seven steps very quickly. We were talking about creating empathy, yeah, aligning ourselves and really literally mentioning where, where our audience is. We were talking about addressing their difficulties. We said we need to undo some of their um, mindset so that they step out of the mindset where they are and maybe we help them to create a new mindset. We want to build credibility for ourselves, our content, the solutions that we're offering. We want to give them an action plan so that they know where they are and what is going to happen. We need to teach them something new and we wanted to exit with an activity. So talking about the last one, exit with an activity. I know that Abby was so quick in putting her video out there. Thank you very much. It was just amazing. And I know that some of you have literally tried and I really invite you to continue trying. I was, I was talking also reading what Maria posted today and she was literally driving around Vesteros yesterday looking for web cameras <laughs> and all the shops were out of web cameras. So if you have that situation, I'm quite sure that you are creative in, in finding sources for, for web cameras as well. Um, I can, of course, if somebody wants to, I can, I can lend you an old one, but maybe the resolution and the, the brightness and the colors is not what you wanted to expect. So please continue and you take on the challenge there and post your first video because this is your first step in trying it out. So that's the education, the educate program, the seven steps. Today, I wanted to talk to you about how we can now create a, literally a training so that we can care more and show the audience that we care more about them. Because if we care about them, then hopefully it will contribute to the fact that they need to get what we're talking about. Because if we really care about them, then we don't want to be in the situation like many other trainers are and educators where they dump a lot of information on them because we know that we have to be careful about their objections, which means we want to really make sure we want to overcome ourselves. We have to overcome creating those four reasons of objections, the confusion, the disbelief, the fear. And what was the fourth, the fourth one? So let's have a look how we can do this. I'm going to run down through this care program step by step so that you know what it is about. Because the first one, it's about choice, how to choose. And this is maybe one of the obvious ones right from the beginning. And at the same time, it is maybe the most difficult one to start with and the most important one to succeed in. And the reason why this one is so important is that you, you are the master of your subject which means that you have all this information available. And <laughs> it can be very hard to choose 
out of all this information. And that is why you see other trainers they, and, 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 and speakers and presenters, and they cram all this information into the PowerPoint. But in the future, it's not going to be you. You're going to do this differently. Because what you're going to do is you're going to learn to choose deliberately. And I'm going to go through suggestions of your pages, your PowerPoint slides, so that you can build the sequence so that you can educate people instead and not only share information. Does that sound like a good idea? Yes. So, good. So let's have a look. Before we dive into that in, in detail, I would, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bring back the educate sequence here because this is really what it is about. Because yesterday, um, in our previous session, you might have thought, oh, well, this educate, you know, this this empathy and addressing the difficulties and, and undoing it. Yeah, 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 that's, that sounds reasonable. But there's much more behind that. So, in detail, you can imagine that these seven steps to educate people are literally the headlines of your presentation. And I'm going to walk you through those seven steps now, bit by bit, so that you can, in your mind, you can think about creating your presentation right now. And I'm going to put some questions here on the screen and I'll, um, I'll put those questions, I'll take a text copy of the screen, I'll put those points into, into the um, chat here so that you can have those and also update the uh, meeting invites so that you can have these literally for yourself and work with those. And this is what the first one is about. Because we said with empathy, we wanted to um, we wanted to understand where your audience is. We wanted to know about them. What are they doing? What are they what are they feeling? What are they thinking? Because we want to make an emotional attachment to them. Because when we appreciate their situation, when we appreciate their emotional state, that is where we can build the first level of trust, as you remember. So how can we do that deliberately? Assuming now you are going to create a PowerPoint page, what questions would you want to answer yourself for the first PowerPoint page? The first PowerPoint page that we would want to have up there is about naming their pain points. Literally writing, visualizing, speaking about where they are right now and what they are feeling and thinking. Imagine what that would do. It would immediately level the playing field from normally the presenter being up here, knowing it all, having an opinion on where the audience is. It would immediately level the playing field because now you're addressing them, you're seeing them. Now, you can do this in different ways. It doesn't really have to be in words. It could be a picture. Yeah, It could be, in our case, it could be a picture. I didn't create that one, but it could have been a picture of 
somebody, you know, sweating behind the screens with microphones and papers and PowerPoints, and they're not really in control of their online presentation. You get the picture? And then I could talk to it that, you know, there are many things that can, can go, go wrong and maybe you're not really um, at ease with all the technology. Sometimes things work, sometimes don't, things don't work. And perhaps in the end you're thinking, you know what, I would rather just be a participant of a webinar and have somebody else organize these things than, than having me being responsible that everything works. This could be a starting picture. Now, whatever the topic is for your audience, of course, you will want to figure out because you will want to name their pain points to get started. So if you know your audience, if you remember, if you know your, let's say your, your um, Jack and your Janet in this case, people who you could name as a representative of who you need to talk to, then you could literally imagine what they feel like in this situation where they are right now, when they're in the classroom with you or in sitting in your audience and they bring back all, they bring in all the experience, all the baggage, all the pain and the frustrations with them. That is your entry point. Now, the second point, when people feel about these things, when you're addressing their emotions, it's, it's really meeting them where they are right now. In the next point, you would want to take it to a little more rational level, because now you're at the emotional level and you know, you know that there are always the two sides, the emotional level and the rational level. So now you want to take it to the rational level where you want to talk about a bit of the consequences, the difficulties that the people are having. Because if they're feeling in a certain way, if they're, and this feeling generates certain actions or non-actions or a kind of reactions, the next thing that you can do is literally start addressing difficulties that they're having. Difficulties in like getting people's continued attention through the webinar, because if the sound is bad, it's, it's not nice to listen. If the video doesn't work and its pictures are boring, it's not nice. These could be difficulties that people have on the other side that you feel because you would want to have a more engaging webinar. This means that you would want to talk about the difficulties, address the frustrations that the people have and be clear about what you have, what they have experienced and even pinpoint the consequences. Because the consequences in our case might be like, people don't take the information that we would want to share to that level that it really has an impact. And that is of course frustrating for you because you're caring so much about the people and their development, but if they don't get it, literally speaking, what are you going to do? You normally don't get even get a second chance to do it again. Because people will think, oh no, I've done a webinar once and I don't want to join that one again. It's boring. So that's where your difficulties are. Now what the difficulties of your typical audience, let's say Jack and Janet, what they would be, I don't know. You would want to figure that out. 
what is the difficulty that they are having in doing or not doing what is expected in this situation? You get that? Yeah, so difficulties, it's about addressing their, the frustrations that they have. It's about thinking about what they have experienced. You can literally go and ask your potential avatars like Jack and Janet, what have you experienced? What are the consequences of doing or not doing what there is right now? That's what you can do. This is your second slide or second point in your agenda. You can do that with a picture as well. When you do these first two things, immediately you're opening up the perspective of where the people are. Because you have to understand how the mind works in this situation. Because what you're doing here, literally, is addressing the pain and addressing the problems. Now, normally, people try to avoid the pain and ignore the problems, don't they? Perhaps you have situations where you think, it's so obvious that why doesn't the person do what they're supposed to be doing? Why don't they go to the gym every day? Why don't they eve eat healthy every evening? Our mind, just to make our life easy and comfortable, it just deletes and ignores the pain and the problems that we have most of the time. So if you start addressing those things, two things happen. First of all, you make it more aware for everybody. And the second thing is you make it more real so that they can start to think that maybe this is nothing that they want to continue with. That is the first step of moving them from where they are to, you know, to where you'd want them to be. That's your second point in your agenda, your second slide. So what's your third one then? The third one is about understanding the people now. And by understanding, I mean thinking about and speaking about their beliefs. This can be a few sentences where you mention, you know, that whereas people believe that webinars are difficult, it is good for specialists, or it doesn't really work, you don't get the attention or the interaction. And when people have these types of beliefs, of course, you would want to change them because you know that with other beliefs, you get other results. So maybe you have an example which you could share. Somebody who's had other beliefs, somebody who's had other results. Could just be a short one. So if you've got Jack and Janet who are having those challenges right now, maybe you have Jim who's already stepped a few steps ahead and is doing what you want to tell them they should be doing. So how is Jim thinking? What beliefs does Jim have and what difficulties has Jim overcome and what are, what are the first results that Jim is getting? This way you can create a little story around this. Now, hopefully, when I say Jack and Janet as examples and, and Jim who might be stepping ahead and already doing these things, hopefully you can find real people who are doing these because of course, you want to create the credibility in what you're saying. You don't want to make these up. I'm making these up just for the example. So there we are. Now we have three pages. 
And now, very softly, we want to introduce the fourth page where we want to build the bridge from where the people are right now to where you would want them to be. What was that point again, that C? It was about creditability. Yeah? Which means that right now you would want to build that bridge so that you can move forward so that the people can buy into the fact that this is literally worth the effort. Because everybody knows from where they are right now to the, where they would want to be in the future, it is not going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be hard work, they're going to trip and fall, it's going to be sweaty and they're going to make mistakes. Everybody knows that. So, they want to know for themselves whether they can create this balance between whether it is worth it to do things differently, all the learning and the trying out, and what the result is going to be. So that's why you might need a, a real success story, somebody who's really succeeded in this so that you can share the journey that they went. Remember Jim for a second? Jim was only starting in this journey. Yeah. So you've got, if you think about that, you've got in the starting block or getting into the starting block, you've got, you've got Jack and Janet, right? They are just thinking whether they want to get started. You've got Jim, who's a few steps ahead. And then you need another story of another person. Let's say Jane. Jane is already up here. Jane has done everything. And you want to share Jane's success. That's the fourth page. At this point, everybody should be thinking, how can I do that right now? If, I have to think about the names, right? If Jack and Janet are down here, Jim is at the first gate, and Jane is already up here, then there are a certain number of steps that people can go through so that they can be as good as Jane up here. And that is what your job is. To show them the steps, the action plan, so that they can get onto this journey. So that Jack and Janet can get onto that journey and start their journey following Jim and reaching where Jane is. That is the next point, the next page in your presentation. Page number five. Page number five is about how are you going to get there? It's about, it's about the action plan. It's about what you're going to learn and why you're going to learn things, not how you're going to do it. But this is our action plan. Remember, these are the five key steps to make a professional webinar. That is our action plan. And that is why you are here going through these five steps day after day. And that is what you wanted to see. Because there was the idea, the demonstration of doing this webinar right at the beginning. And you see the need in it. 
you see the difficulties. And now you're halfway through this program and you're going to have all this knowledge and the actions and all the teaching, which is now literally the next element into in the Educate program. That is really now where your presentation starts. The presentation that you used to have, where you share information and go into details, this is where it now starts with your teaching. That is where you teach what can you do then, what you cannot do now. And that's why thinking about Janet and, um, um, and Jack is so important because you would want to understand what are they doing now that they need to stop doing, that they need to change doing, that they have to do in a different way. And what do you need to add for their knowledge, for their practice, information for them to learn? What do you need to add as an educator and a trainer so that they can take every step in your action plan that you propose? Now you understand, oops, now you understand what this choice is about. Because when you go through those six steps I've shared with you right now, yeah, the empathy, the difficulties, understanding where they are, the credibility, and then really in the action plan, teaching every point of the action plan, now you suddenly realize that maybe with all the information that you have, first of all, you're going to choose in a different way. And if you and when you start going through these steps and start collecting information so that you can do your training and your presentation, you suddenly realize that maybe you have to choose other information to share, specifically on the first steps. Because right now, I see a lot of presentations where people sort of dive right in into the training, into the teaching, and <laughs> it literally creates those four objections that we were talking about. But that is not you, because now you know that you want to overcome those four objections of education and you want to build it up so that you really educate the people. The last element here is, of course, the exit. Invite them to take the next step. Now, the next step can be just showing up in the webinar tomorrow. Tomorrow, at the same time, we've still got step number four, and on Monday, we're going to do step number five of the five steps. Um, suggestions, what they would want to practice, so that they can start on their journey. They can start to take actions step by step. This is now an interesting point because when it really comes to training, you suddenly realize that you're not going to do everything at once. In fact, your action steps, sometimes in our case, they're taking like 30 minutes. In your case, when it's like setting up a tool or using a software, it might be quicker. It might be only five minutes per action steps, which means that here in this loop between A and T, between action plan and teaching, you would want to rotate. You would want to rotate between the action plan and the teaching, which means when you teach one topic, you close that topic and you go back to the action plan and saying, okay, now we're taking the next 
topic and then you go down again into the teaching, finish that, do that teaching, finish that teaching, finish the practicing, whatever there is, and then you go back up into the action plan saying, now we're taking the next step, and then you start training that element. That's another way how you'd want to choose so that you keep the orientation of the people so that they always know which training belongs to which step in the action plan. You don't want to mix it up because if you start mixing it up, it starts confusing people and they don't believe in what they're hearing because in a confused mind, it doesn't work. This starts creating objections, right? That was the first one, being confused. So this is what it means in choice. For you now here on this call, going out of this session, you can start taking your next training presentation and you can write, first of all, you can create seven pages in your PowerPoint. Every single one with that headline, like the empathy, the difficulties, the understand, the credibility, the action plan, the teaching and the exit. The teaching one, I urge you to duplicate by the number of teachings or the number of steps that you want to teach the people. So your presentation would have at least seven pages. And if you're having, if you want to teach them a couple of steps so that they can do in the future, what they're not doing today, then you would want to add, maybe if you're doing a five-step program, now you would have 12. <laughs> I'm running out of fingers. Now you would be having 12 steps. You would having these seven plus four more extra steps if you're doing a five-step program. Makes 11 pages. That's it. Anything more than that and anything less than that you'd risk creating objections around what people are learning. That's how extensive the first step here of our care program is when we're talking about making the choice and choosing the right content. Are you with me on that? Seven pages plus those pages that you need to teach the steps, which means that you have to decide how many steps are you going to teach? Yeah, so you're not sharing all this information. This is a very, very important point. You would want to decide upfront how long is your program, not in hours, but in steps. It's a significant difference. So if you want to train people how to deal with a new target group, if you want to train them how to, how to use a new software, if you want to train them how to use a new tool, how many steps, training steps, do you need to get them to where they, you, you want them to be? You decide. And that is the skeleton, that is the framework of your training. That gives the people orientation, they can understand each and every step, they can, they, they know where they are during the training. They, they get the feeling how much they've done and how much they're going to do in the future. Now, 
I have a question for you. I know that one or <clears throat> okay, one or two are uh, okay. That's no that's no problem if you have another meeting. As I, I will put out the recording there afterwards. You know that. <clears throat> now, I have a question for you for the next point. Let's have a little discussion. Now you understand how to create the, the structure, the skeleton, the steps of your PowerPoint, of your presentation, of your training. I have a question for you now, which I would like to have, um, have in the chat as a discussion. And here's the question. Please answer in the chat. What have been your reasons for not animating your presentations? Think about that. What have been the reasons for not animating your presentations? Because we said at the beginning, that was one of the big mistakes that we saw, you know, the, the, the four um, deadly sins of presentations. Most of the presentations I'm seeing, they're not animated. So why? Let's have them, let's have some answers in the chat. Okay, so Abby is doing it. Great. Please invite me to one of your presentations. I love to see um, a good presentation. That's terrific. It takes a long time. Yeah. Missing focus. <laughs> I remember when, when I first discovered in PowerPoint the ability to do, um, to do animations. Um, literally, my I, I tried, and this was um, this is already like 14 years ago. I tried literally to do the animations at a level that I had the ambition it should look like a video. <laughs> so you can imagine how much time you can spend in trying to you know coordinate the movements and the music and the sound effects. It took like forever, and the, the effect, of course, was nothing really. Because what we're looking at when it's about um, it's about animations is that that if we if we animate things, two things happen, and this is quite interesting, because the first thing that happens is um, when you start to animate your presentation, you have to think. In your mind, you're preparing yourself. What goes first and what comes second or third and that is a very important element for your preparation in thinking through what you're going to say isn't it so that's important in this situation first of all to think about okay what do i need to animate of course realize that not doing animation is one of the um, dead, four deadly sins, so you don't want to be there. The question is instead, what else happens when you animate? Well, apart from the fact that you choose your sequence of things, what also changes is that, yes, you don't overwhelm the audience with a very complicated PowerPoint, because a very complicated PowerPoint does, literally speaking, take more time to animate. But what it does is it lets the people focus on you, on the trainer, on the speaker. 
because you're supposed to be the one who has all the competence and the people are supposed to focus on you who is doing the training. Because if the, if the focus should be on the PowerPoint, because it is so complex and so difficult, who's actually then really competent about the topic? Is it you or is it the PowerPoint? That's why taking that step and leading the presentation through steps is so essentially important so that people can focus on you and listen to you when you speak. So what can you do to improve the animation? As you can see here in the picture, in correlation to the previous um, elements that I had been doing, I have added, of course, I've been doing animations of the bullet words, of the essential of, um, of the content of the training, but I've also added one more element, which means I've changed the, the color ratio between what I'm talking about and what I have been talking about. And that's an interesting point because it also allows you to focus more about what are we really talking about right now. It still lets you have the overview of what we have been talking about in, in total, and it gives you the opportunity to focus on what there is. For me, it also gives me the opportunity to focus on one item at a time, yeah, so that I don't rush forward, because that is by experience something that I have been doing myself, is that I'm not spending enough time explaining every element that I need to talk about. Which means with every animation, you also want to talk about that element. You want to wrap it up, you want to close it up, so that everybody knows now this item has been finished. Now, technically speaking, there are two good ways of doing animations. If you're not very versatile in doing animations, here's a an e tip how to do it very efficiently. And what I used to do at the beginning, because I found, yes, animations, they were clunky, they were, you know, taking a lot of time, I was spending too much time in finding all the whizzes and the bangs and the tunes to, to make animations. So I created my final PowerPoint that I wanted to have, and you've got lots of these PowerPoints where there's everything in there. But then I took that PowerPoint and I thought about what is my first message? What is my first point out of this PowerPoint that I want to bring across? And I deleted everything else. And then I thought, Okay, what is the second point I need to bring across? And I deleted everything but the first two points. And every time I created a new page, which means that when I have a clicker and click forwards, I just click from one page to another page to another page. And every time my image builds up like a mosaic without me having to think about what animation I'm going to use and how that works and how do I time it and how many clicks it has, which means that if I have four or six elements, I have four or six pages. Of course, it makes your PowerPoint a little larger, but nobody sees it because you're transitioning from one page to the next page. And this way you can be crystal sure what the next information is going to be that you're going to talk about. And the good thing even is that if you then look at your, your presenter's view of your presentation, well, you know exactly which element is going to show up in the next page. 
It's a very simple way for you to stay in control of your animations. The second way how to do animations in an easy way is, is what I'm showing here on my screen here, is that I choose only a few animations and I prefer to use the same ones. Now, if you're doing a technical presentation, that might not work that way. In that case, you might want to prefer to use the previous way, just, you know, just to do, take the complete picture and delete things out of it. If you've got a technical drawing and you want people to focus, you can, you can circle it, or you can just put white boxes over it and delete the boxes from page to page as you go along. The advantage of doing this is that people have the opportunity to focus visually on what you are saying, which means that the message becomes much more clearer for them. That's why animation is so important. Don't rely on the fact that you're going to use a laser pointer or you're going to use a mouse in your, in your presentation, because too often I've, I've actually seen people asking in an online presentation, do you see my mouse? And everybody <laughs> it was like, which mouse? There isn't a mouse. You don't know how much lag there is in the digital transmission between your screen and their screen that allows to transmit a mouse on something you're pointing at. So you have to have animations. If you're in a big presentation room, of course, you cannot rely on the fact that there is a working laser pointer or that the lights are good enough so that the laser pointer will actually shine on the presentation. And it could even be that, like myself, sometimes my hand is shaking too much that I'm just creating a scatter of a, of a red dot which doesn't appear anywhere. Animate your presentations every time. It gives you your red thread what you want to say, and it gives the people a red thread and a path so that they can listen. The next point here in how can I create, how can I show that I care about is, is the R here. And what I would like you to think about is that when you share these things and share your information, how can you really relate it to what these things mean to them. And by relate, I mean that when we do presentations, when we do trainings, we want to bring across information so that it means something to them. This means not only do I have to find words that is within the vocabulary of my audience, I also have to find sentences so that I translate what things mean. Now, I can relate to to my audience by telling uh, telling stories. I can relate by relating to situations, reminding of situations. I can relate to my audience by using bridge words like sentences like this means to you. Let me give you an example. Yeah, just a moment ago I was we were talking about animation. That is important to do animation. There are two ways of doing animation. One way of doing animation is just having a sequence of pages in your PowerPoint so that you can add a little more information onto your PowerPoint as you go forward. Or you've got a very simple set of animating and you just add one piece of information, a simple block, 
so that it makes it easy also for you to edit these animations. Which means for you, it is time-saving to limit yourself to a couple of few transitions or a couple of few animations. Because if you don't do that, then of course you're going to spend much more time in thinking about which animation to choose rather than benefiting from having an animation, which means that going through the sequence of your presentation step by step, which will make it more memorable so that you can do a presentation the next time without even looking at the speaker notes. I was using bridge words while I was doing this, while I was talking to you, was creating meaning for you, was relating to your situation. And you might want to just retake this section one more time in the recording afterwards, just to make sure that you can do something similar. And the key words here is, this means for you, because you're translating what you have just said into the world of the other person. You can do these translation steps a couple of times and this way you can relate more to the people who are listening. Now, that's the third element of how I can make sure I care more for the people. Now, the fourth element is not going to take so very long time because the fourth element is about engaging. Engaging with the audience. Now during these sessions you've had a few examples how we can engage, how we can interact. Specifically tomorrow we're going to have a whole session just on engagement so that we can keep our people engaged, so that we can keep their attention and have a little fun with it whenever we need it. So we're not going to do engagement just for the heck of it, it's going to be deliberate. And with this engagement tomorrow, we're going to be at the fourth step of the five steps, how we were going to create this amazing webinar. Which means we've done prepare, we've done clear, we've done educate. Today we did care. Tomorrow we're going to do engage how we can engage with our people. And then on Monday, we're going to have a look to see, well, how can we um, aid your message by giving it some aid so that it really attracts the audience that you would want to have.